didn't think keyboard came. Uh, you checkers. I want to play checkers. I want to play checkers. But instead of instead of small plastic dobbers, the uh, checkers are replaced with glass. Just glass. And what do you have to do to get out of this glass checkers? You just, have to, you just have to play checkers. You just have to win checkers against me. When, but the thing is, is that I am the American champion of checkers. Well, Jigsaw, you can do everything else you I set can, your mind to, so why yes, not checkers, exactly. eh? Sort of, a, sort of a serial killer, Mary Sue, in a lot of ways. <laughs> okay, uh, we are back for part two of our episode on the tortilla porn genre. Uh, we spoke about Saw, um, Saw's one through four, and Jigsaw Don't 2017 in the last episode, uh, and we are now going to be discussing, like... <laughs> The less, basically, like, standalone films and, like, franchises that didn't drag themselves along and have a new one every year, like, mm. um, like, like, sorted. Uh, so, um, we, t- we spoke a little bit about the broader cultural context that brought torture porn in last time, but I do think we should mention this time that, like, the sort of, this sort of like post 9-11 to the recession is like one of the worst periods for media. It's just like trash, 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 trash. It seems really like aimless, doesn't it? I suppose it was this really like narrow time in history, I guess, where there was still relative prosperity in the West. But this world altering event happened that like traumatized this superpower and was the beginning of a lot of horrible stuff. Mm. But I don't know, I, d- I don't quite know why th- that that surely implies that interesting yeah. stuff should have been happening to an extent. But no, no. So like even like more broadly in horror, I think this kind of overlapped with the torture porn stuff, but we started getting the, do you remember just the wave of like bad remakes, like bad lazy remakes. So there was like, there was the um, House of Wax remake. There was the Prom Night remake. There was the the Last House on the Left remake. The I Spit on Your Grave there remake. There was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. There was a Texas Chainsaw remake Massacre remake. There was a Nightmare Before Elm Street one, but I don't know if that was quite at the same time. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. It was about. It was about this time. It was this kind of like Freddy versus Jason. Jason X. Mm. This was all like two thousands kind of. Yeah, and I suppose a part of that maybe. Um, because like after 9-11 a lot of things just like don't work the Simpsons being a particularly good example of like media that doesn't like yeah. manage to last beyond 9-11 my, uh, my cut off point for the Simpsons is earlier I think the, the Simpsons expires at the end of the Clinton administration wow yeah I think that during this period there's kind of this like weird kind of well what works now but what is nostalgic to a happier time but also lets us be worried kill about some stuff. skanks. Yeah, let's kill some skanks. How do we kill some skanks? How do we um, work through our anxieties around the existence of Paris Hilton <laughs> by having a pipe impale her in the House of Wax remake? 
which was like, do you remember that was like a big selling point for that film? It was like, oh, you're going to get to watch Paris Hilton die. I vaguely remember it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would like you to write a sort of skank-based media thing. Yeah, what, to to avenge all of the skanks of 2000s horror films? Avenge who... slash reclaim, because I think it is weird when you go on, like we have done a odyssey through 2000s horror, and there's sort of the horror from here this year that like we recently watched a lot of the Final Destination films. Mm. Um, the, the third one being, I think, the best probably i think probably being one of the best examples of a franchise sequel mm. like ever mm. um and but it is weird when you look at a lot of the films from this era and you spot the one skank and how that person is treated it's really vindictive yeah. and it's a weird cultural hub it around is, it it is like a weird cultural hub and it's always like sometimes she'll be mean but more often than not she'll just be sort of annoying with the sort of piece of media being like, can you believe this fucking cunt with her breasts and her blonde hair? We must destroy her in the most violent way possible. Do you, th- do you think it's gone away because of the figures like Kim Kardashian who have kind of become entrepreneurial? What the entrepreneurial power? Yeah. Um, to an extent, those cases are extremely rare. um, I I think it's more just um, down to like a cultural reemergence of feminism. I think these things just kind of come in waves, and feminism was big in the nineties. That's why you've got like a lot of kind of sort of like gothy, snarky, edgy girls popping up in like rom-coms and and teen stuff. Probably like 10 Things I Hate About You being the most obvious example I can think of there. And then everyone decided feminism was bad again in the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. They'd been too successful. And then we brought in like, it was like the kind of peak of like lad culture, page three, reality television, the kind of sexier you are, the more screen time you get. So I think a lot of women did did make their careers kind of on the public obsession with the skank at this time. Yeah. But then you also had like things like American Pie and all of these like bawdy teen comedies, Van Wilder, Road Trip, the Austin Powers films were all in this era. Which in, in themselves are cyclical because those films like Porky's and whatever, but like you say, they go away and then they come back and mm. when they come back it's with a vengeance. And mm. you know. I, Earlier I called Kim Kardashian a skank. I don't think she's a skank, but you know, I was being, uh, I just want to, I just want to, I, I just want to she... let the record state that yeah, I, I don't I th- think she's a skank. I think that's fair. I think she's I also of... would not say the word skank this many times. Outside of referring to outside of discussing an archetype, this, this but yeah, to be fair, I do think she is. She is Kim Kardashian is the first person to sort of take that model and elevate it. I guess, um, like Paris Hilton's recently had to go on almost like this weird like image cleanup tour, um, of like I say image cleanup, but you know what I mean, like talking more frankly about the kind of treatment that she's endured and almost like having to go on the record and disclose quite a lot of maltreatment and abuse in order to get the public to see her as a human being, mm. um, which Kim Kardashian had the benefit of doing a lot more gradually because she just emerged later, I think. Um, yeah, but should we... Um... And the weird thing with Paris... I know we'd like, gone massively off Yeah, topic. I was trying to... I, bring I, I was just going to say, what's weird with Paris Hilton as well is that in part of her kind of... This point of a journey is she's having to kind of like point out to people that she was playing up to it. Yeah. That she this wasn't going over her head, that she understood what was happening and she just thought, well fuck it, I'll go I'll go along with it. I'll now kind of 
A, make yeah. money and B, have a laugh. And that's yeah, what she did. Yeah, she was so doing a bit. She, spe- yeah. she was doing a bit. And a lot of people did not realize that she was doing a bit. I think, um, I think one of the worst pieces of media from this era is the episode of South Park, which is titled Stupid Spoilt Whore, um, mm. which is about Paris Hilton. And it's like she releases a line of stupid spoilt whore video playsets for for girls to like film, and to, so they can like make their own kind of sex tape to leak. And it's just the most like misogynist, tone deaf, gross thing that it's like. It's just basically very like blaming her for something someone else leaked. And like shaming her for making a sex tape in the first place, which is fine. Acting like it's her fault that someone else released it without uh without our kind of consent. But yeah, it's probably worth noting that there was a lot of a lot of I would say that this this era was not a good time for women in media. And I know that it's never a good time for women in media, but that was this this was the specific vibe. Um which mm. I feel like maybe sets us up quite well to just briefly talk about hostel. Just briefly, because the first one we we talked in the last episode a bit about how like torture porn had this um this sort of reputation for being like a lot more uh sexual than the vast vast majority of it, of it seems to actually be um but I think Hostel will probably be kind of the only example I can think of of, of like of, or at least of the ones we watch there might be some like lower budget stuff that's a bit worse for this but um oh, I'm sure there is yeah. I'm sure there is but yeah um we watched uh <laughs> we watched um Hostel uh like a while ago and that was very there's a lot of boobs in that it starts with three lads in Amsterdam three lads in Amsterdam three lad- lads on tour lads on tour they get captured because that's what happens when you come into contact with foreigners americans remember um and they just they get like sold to some sort of ring of people who torture they pay money a club of people who club of people pay into torture um people however they they so desire Mm. and i think one of the things i think because like hostel was i think is maybe a bit more extreme than so because i think it was like why would anyone watch this just innocent people (laughs) being tortured whatever um because i think unlike unlike saw the people in this are are complete innocence like they don't do there may be like a little misogynist there may be like a little shitty that cringe but they're they're, yeah they're cringe (laughs) and like this was touted as being a really kind of nasty piece of work and you watch it and the first like 40 minutes kind of it's just a bit of creepiness a bit of them shagging and even when you get to the torture it's so light and so brief yeah i think it it like it's it's really not a gory horror it's like not pleasant but i don't think it really even leans heavily into like the grottiness no. That, that that we kind of invoke when we kind of talk about it. The the part two a little bit does a bit more. Yeah. Um, and part two is a better film. Yeah. I, I think part two is has has similar problems, but it's just more entertaining. God, I found this really embarrassing interview with Eli Roth, um, where um like I think we watched like a couple of little clips of him talking, maybe off the back of the horrible movies, um, the horrible reviews uh, video about um hostel. Uh, where he does, he does seem to know his stuff about films. I think that's that's one thing that he's got going for him over the Saw stuff is that these films do have like quite a lot of Easter eggs for horror fans and 
And there's a lot of like references to stuff. There's also some fun cameos, like the guy who, mm. who the guy who directed Cannibal Holocaust is in part two, I think, playing a cannibal. Um, and just kind of bits and bobs like that, which is Takashi Miike. So Takashi Miike does have a cameo yeah. in it as well, which which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's this really cringe interview, which I found because it was him giving his take on the word torture porn, where he's just basically like he says that he doesn't he doesn't really like it. He thinks it's a bit weird because. It, like with porn you like get off on it and then you switch it off which isn't really how people interact with films was basically how he was what he kind of said which is a bit literal uh, but there mm. you go but he also like the interviewer is like yeah I noticed that you really kind of cashed in on some of the homoeroticism of the first film and the second he's like yeah some lesbionics and I just thought I fucking hate you. He said lesbianic. He says lesbianic. What is a lesbianic? I'm just gonna. I. It was just. I could just imagine the exact voice and the exact voice being. Yeah, some lesbianic. I'm. I'm unfamiliar with this lesbianic of which you yeah, speak. Yeah, let me. Let me quickly find the quote. Yeah. Okay. So the guy interviewing him says, and this was for um, ain't it cool news, um. And I should applaud you for really exploring the homoerotic themes that were only hinted at in the first film. And then Eli Roth replies, getting some lesbionics. And then the interviewer says, and a shocking amount of cock as well. I think that's like, is that like two or three shots of a penis in like a life drawing class or something? There's a bit where at the end, like right at the end, she cuts off a guy's dick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he replies, there's a lot of sausage. It, if there was one complaint I heard consistently from girls, girls who loved it, they would say there was a little too much female nudity and it made them uncomfortable because they saw it with their boyfriend and he was looking at the girls. I said, I get it. We actually had naked guys for Hostel 1, but they didn't show up. All the dudes cancelled <laughs> and no one on the crew wanted to do it. Um, Not Including Eli Roth, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> Uh, we had Ethel Goodjunson's ass, but that's about as much as we got. That's how I responded to people who said I was exploiting women. You think I'm exploiting women? Here you go. We got a nude model. There's a nude dude. But because it's in an art class, it's art and not just exploitation. I literally have it in there just to fuck with critics. <laughs> Whoa. Edgy. I feel I felt immensely fucked with when this... I saw when I saw a, a a nude man appear on screen for several seconds as a life model. Mm. But yeah, he really thinks he's doing something. I know. Have you seen Have you seen the Green Inferno? That's his Cannibal Holocausty one, isn't it? Yeah, it. Um, and I've not seen it. The thing is, right. Is that Cannibal Holocaust? I think when you watch it, is surprisingly surprisingly gets away with its premise a lot because you'd think it would be you'd think it would be flagrantly racist, and it is to an extent. But um, I think because Cannibal Holocaust so clearly sets up its um, so le- so clearly sets up the white documentary makers as being in the wrong and the natives as having done nothing wrong and just responding to provocation. So there's like a very clear like it's not that these people are like savage and hostile and just can't be trusted in civilization. It's literally like 
it, it, it kind of beats you over the head with, but who's the real savage? It's the white people. Mm. Hmm? Whereas the Green Inferno is literally, it's just, it's just, it's just incredibly racist. It's, it's one of the most incredibly racist films. Um, it starts with, it has Skylar, Sky, Sky Fairy Rare, Fairy Rare. Your nemesis. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I find a, always really distracting in films because she's only ever there to be a Sky Ferraria cameo, isn't she? She's just like a cynical, like, asshole girl who her friend gets interested in, like, protesting to protect the Amazon. She's like, why would you even do that? It's so dumb. All of these people are fakes. Fuck you. And then you never see, you don't see her again until the end of the film where she's just sort of, like, right, I guess. Because caring about stuff, everybody, the basically the message of Green Inferno is like everyone who cares about stuff is dumb, and um, everyone who cares about stuff is probably lying and has an ulterior motive anyway. So it's fine for you to just say that you don't care. In fact, you're probably a better person because at least you're admitting it. Because no one really cares about anything. Three and um, people in the Amazon will eat you. If you're playing crashes in the Amazon, they will eat you. Because that's all that happens. They're completely unprovoked. The um, natives in this film just just capture and eat all of these people. And it's just like... I, I think Eli Roth, while his film knowledge is very... It's very like curated and he's seen a lot of stuff. I, I do get the impression he's dumb as a rock. It seems like the point of Cannibal Holocaust has like gone over his head. Yeah. Like he maybe got that the white documentary makers were like... A bit of arseholes, but not necessarily that they provoke. Who are the real savages here? <laughs> yeah. Hmm? Who are the real savages? But um, yeah, I, I just uh, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Um, but yeah, the hostile films are kind of like they're really like not what people make them out to be. I mean, granted, we haven't treated ourselves to the straight to DVD masterpiece, um, Hostel Three, which very telling that it came out in 2011, kind of after the final death rattle of torture porn, which I decided was um human centipede. And that, that's in Vegas as well. That's kind of the thing that makes me want to try Hostel Part Three, even though I've heard yeah. only kind of overwhelmingly negative and things about it and saying it's very cheap and stuff. Yeah. Is that it's set in America? I had a thought about what might have um, also put torture porn to bed. Oh, yeah. Um, a Serbian film came out in 2010 and probably kind of put a bit of a bow on everything for people, didn't it? You think because it went quite far? It, it went so much harder than everything else and got quite a wide release and kind of seemed mm. to do... Like, I know that lots of people were talking about it. Granted, I don't know if that actually responded. Um, was reflected in the amount of cinemas that it was shown in, but I don't, I don't remember it being shown in cinemas, no. and I remember seeing it like fairly early after being able to. I definitely torrented it, but yeah, I can't. I... But it was just, it was so talked about, and everybody knew what was happening mm. in it, and also it was a, a sort of torture porn film that actually had a lot of torture and actually had a lot of pornography in it as well. Mm. Um. I suppose there's an argument to be made that it wouldn't really fall under the sort of torture porn umbrella because it does it does go too far to get a wide release and it also um it is trying to make a point. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't like it, but I get what it was going for. Yeah. To to be honest, it's also frankly a lot more competently put together than a lot of the mm. western oh, yeah. stuff. I think I think it's a very like it's a very competent and very watchable and very slick film. I wonder what the director's done since. I think he may have done one film that was kind of panned. Anyways. Anyway, yeah. Back to Hostel. 
We're kind of like merging Hostel One and Two together. That's because they kind of have the same plots. Well, they're the same. It's just it's just that the um it's girls instead of boys, and then they um it basically just ends with the girl buying our way out. And Eli Roth in that interview that I read a bit of made a big deal of being like, yeah, they've improved security, so there's just no way out now. And it's made real clear that there's no way out. You got to buy your way out, and it's just kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, there's weirdly like little to say about them, considering that they were there was a lot of controversy around the first one because it did have the wide release and it just the general plot of just you're watching people getting tortured and stuff. But I don't know, just kind of just kind of nothingy is kind yeah. of the main vibe. It's not it's not that atmospheric. It's not that interesting, and there's certainly like not really like any point to it. But but yeah, just as far as like kind of a film in which you know something's hor- horrible is going to happen and there should be tension and then there should be that horrible thing happening and it should be kind of like pushing your buttons. Mm. There kind of isn't tension, nor is your buttons being being pushed. I mean, mm. it's, it's, it's that kind of thing, which is like, it seems really like smug and condescending to say, so I'll say it, which is that like, <laughs> if you really weren't familiar with any kind of like violent, what we would consider to be violent film, and then yeah. you saw Hostel, you probably would be like, whoa, that's really fucked up. Yeah, yes, it's, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like very much like baby's first, <laughs> baby's first extreme horror, and I wouldn't even put it under the category of extreme horror. Hence, hence baby's first, particularly when you compare it to um, like the new French extreme films are all from this same era, which I, I don't really think you can count as a genre because it is literally like five or six films. It's more, of, it's a, more of them. It's more of a wave, but um, yeah. Yeah, kind of classic examples being um, Inside, High Tension, um, Frontiers. Frontiers, and Mars being, again, I think the, the thing that kind of put the bow on that a little mm, bit. Irreversible, um, you kind of, I think... It's maybe a little bit too art house. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I don't think it quite fits, but certainly the two the two big scenes in Irreversible are like you know, akin to the rest of the French extreme yeah. stuff. It's interesting as well because those two big scenes are like right at the start. You can just watch a film get gradually less interesting <laughs> as, as it goes on. He did a cut of that which was in chronological order. Was it better? I don't know. I've not I've not tried it. I think it's I think that's just like really strange to to do, but I it's mean, he's a strange no, little guy. There's no he? point to it being the way around that it is. I think I think I get I think the it being that way around would work for like a short film, yeah, for like a twenty minute film to be like, oh look, it's like the the consequences of violence are that you kind of lose this 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 stuff or or, or whatever kind of thing. It's just too basic a point to really sustain <laughs> yeah. a ninety minute film. Yeah, I just think it's silly. Um, uh, should we talk about some of the other shit that we watched for this? Should we talk about Captivity actually, since we're talking about uh, brutalizing women? Yeah, we really had not much on, on Hostel, did we? Apart from Give It a Miss. Yeah. So far, the only film I think we've mentioned, which I'd be like, yeah, try it, is Saw 1. Yeah. You watch, watch Saw 1. Yeah. If you, if, 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 you, if you haven't already, and you think I could go for a real three out of five horror film. Yeah, give it a go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Saw 1. It's okay. It's, okay. it's three stars fine. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to three stars fine. Um, Captivity's weird. Captivity's weird, yeah. So the thing to note about Captivity, two things. Um, one had this very splashy marketing campaign with like shots of the lead actress in various 
pretty tame kind of torture adjacent positions one of the shots used in like one of the big posters that i think caused the most offense is actually like a different character at the start of the film from the cold open as well yeah um but yeah it's just like a lot of there, there were a lot of posters of the actress sort of like even when i say being tortured i mean she's just like in a room with like some maybe like a tube coming out of her nose and some bandages on her face are like pressed up against a pane of glass while there's like a bunch of sand behind her um and that this upset people so much that ultra feminist joss whedon thank you joss wow big feminism so glad that you are so against the mistreatment of women that you did this um, campaign to have its MPAA rating stripped, which would basically kind of prevent it from really getting any kind mm. of significant release in the States. Um, just to note, uh, Joss Whedon's a piece of shit. That was a joke. That was a joke. He treats women like shit. He's a bastard. And I think his whole fake feminist shtick was gross. And this was clearly an extension of said shtick. Yeah, this was strategic. No. Oh yeah, I know. He's such he's such a little fucking nerd, isn't he? I would honestly, Joss Whedon. We're never gonna meet, and you're never gonna listen to this. But if we do, I'm gonna I'll give you a fucking wedgie. I will give you a wedgie <laughs> on the fucking spot. I'm going to slap your baldy heed if I ever see you. Jeez. Yeah. When the boy parts adaptation wins all the Oscars and you're having to be there like side by side with him, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Oh, no. Well, it's just like, what's he going to do? Verbally abuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Fire me because I got pregnant and then verbally abuse me about it. I don't know. <laughs> Cheat on me repeatedly. And then while all while pretending to be um the, the big boy feminist boy. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so Joss Whedon is a um, snowflake cock that got offended by this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that, that, really like it it's just it's like nothing the film is just so fucking nothingy it's like two two fellas they've been kidnapping ladies you don't know who these fellas are model she's she's a model she wakes up guys obsessed with her you see him scrapbooking about her at the start of the film she wakes up she's in like a little room that has like a big poster of her in it she keeps getting given outfits to put on they keep playing like a loud noise they keep playing like a loud mm. noise that she doesn't like. Um, but as far as the torture goes, it's like very much, it's like more of a psychological thing. Yeah, it's more of like a thriller, like, oh, how will this woman get out of this rather than look at this fucked up stuff happen to this woman, even though fucked up stuff does does happen. Fucked um, up stuff does happen, but it's not like, it's not like she's having bits chopped off of her no, or anything. No, I'd say it's kind of like the way that in like, um, like a standard, like, rated 15 kind of crime film you'd say like oh fucked up stuff happens like people get like stabbed and like yeah. you know imprisoned and stuff and yeah but, it's very uh, it's very rated 15 yeah. very rated 15 um the cold open i think where it's someone in like this cast and they can't move like it's like a upper body and face like kind of paper mache kind of thing and they're like force fed i think what's implied to be like acid which is like one of the previous girls that's been imprisoned and then you see blood coming out of it i thought that was the most the most, the scariest, and the most torture porny bit. Yeah, of the, that of the was, whole that film was like and by far the gnarliest bit. Yeah, it was just very like it's kind of what they do with the Saw films, to be honest. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just cribbed it directly from Saw of having like a cold open that's like a bit more heavy duty than anything that's actually going to appear that's connected to the plot. Mm. Um, yeah, so 
and she's in she's in the cell and then next door to where she realizes that there's a bloke there and they start like scratching messages to each other through the cell because it's like a sort of plain like a bit of plexiglass that's been painted black um and then and then she like gets real fucking horny for him like real horny for him he's like talking to her through the plexiglass and he's just kind of like oh i want to like touch your hair I wish I had like my hands on your body and she's like she's got like her lips parted she's just sort of like rubbing herself against this piece of glass like mm, yeah baby and and before this because that's like about half an hour in, before that yeah. I thought well this is like this is fairly like low budget but I wasn't like massively put off by it. I thought the tone was really weird but I was kind of like I'm interested to see how she gets out of this and to kind of know why this is happening and then it takes this turn where she suddenly, while in prison, wants to bang her cellmate. And I thought, oh no. Oh dear. Oh no, that's really when it kind of hit a point of no return. And from then on, it just gets like kind of weirder. Yeah, it feels like a wild misunderstanding of the human psyche. Um, but yeah, at some point, the, the, for some reason as well, then the guy like... And she she has she's not suspicious at all. Not fucking suspicious at all at any point of this guy. That As having watched multiple torture porn fem- films recently, very suspicious very of this suspicious. guy. Very suspicious. So she's just basically kind of like dry humping the glass. <laughs> no no problems at all. Suddenly the, the divider between them opens and they bang. And they have big sex. Um, in in like a weirdly like tender sex scene, and yeah. in, in the way that it's like it's like soft music and like little gasps and um shots of his like back for ages and stuff, and then it and then it and then it's basically it cuts to like sort of bog standard kind of fat guy just in a robe. I don't know why the way that these films treat fat people is all are, are all very strange. Um, like I think I I feel like the a lot of the torture for, porn films do kind of treat fat people particularly badly. Mm. Um, in in some cases I would say worse than women. Um, maybe not completely worse than women, but fat fat men do not fare well in torture porn films. Um, but yeah, anyways, like he's like just kind of like a. Like just like a gross guy, and then the the cellmate comes upstairs, and he's like, "Oh, you sure you don't want to be the one that fucks the prisoner one time?" And he's like, "If you're inside her, I'm inside her," and it's um, it's 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 good. It's, and they're brothers. Good, good for that. And their brother, two brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah. They so- don't look alike. One guy, the the. <laughs> The guy in the bathroom looks like Kyle Gass, and the, I thought that yeah. he just looked like he looks like Kyle Gass, and then the other guy was like literally in the Vampire Diaries. So if you can just imagine that kind of like CW, so handsome, it's actually quite off-putting. He swings back around into being kind of unattractive, like that yeah. that kind of look. Um, but yeah, she like, and then the cops come, and then she, the 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 sort of hot brother breaks her out the cell he stabs his own brother because he's like i want to keep this one um because the brother the the other brother wants to kill her and then she comes upstairs and she's just sort of placidly like sitting despite the fact that the other guy's gone to like wipe everything down like he's immediately just gotten like a mop and a bucket she kills a cop by mistake because she thinks he's holding them hostage um and then she finally clicks that the guy is suspicious because she finds his scrapbooks yeah that he just has lying about with the names of like the various women that they've like been like 
capturing and kidnapping and imprisoning. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, this has Jennifer on it. My name's Jennifer. Do, 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 do. Oh. <gasps> yeah. And then, yeah, so it's it's fine. She gets away. She's fine. She gets out. It's one of those Don't things which, like, <laughs> and there's also, like, the cop investigation stuff, which they don't go into too much, but that feels very much like a holdover from the Saw thing. And all the cop dialogue is really bad. It's just, like, a lot of swearing and, like, not really much investigation. You kind of wonder why it's there. I do think this film is, like, squandered potential in that I think just, like, someone being captured and they don't know why and they're trying to find ways to get out is just like the basis for a really good story. It's just it's just you could just do like a an interesting little mystery with that, couldn't you? You could even keep like most of the plot elements in place. You just do them mm. in a less dumb way. It, 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 I don't think it's a film that was doomed. No, I, no. I think certainly from the point where she like shags the guy, I think from then on there was no way back. Yeah, I think if they just had a little bit more restraint and it he'd just been like a cellmate that she trusted and he was trying to like win her over very slowly rather than like immediately just grinding against the glass. Grinding against the yeah. glass. Um yeah. Should we talk about um untraceable? <laughs> We've traced untraceable, which is probably the most competent of these like in terms of like production values i would say it's the most the collector do you think it's more competent than the collector i think the production values are more competent yeah, than right, the collector okay, although yeah. the collector has better special effects yeah oh far. this is this is the one that's got diane lane in it yes this is last week i misremembered that the lady from saws was diane lane but no this is diane lane with eyebrows very 2000s eyebrows here and the hair and the hair's like, really uh... she's got the like the like flicky bob the like flicky yeah. 2000s bob. It's like hard to like really like articulate why that has dated so much. It's because it's awful. <laughs> it's, like, it's like awful, but it is kind of like just a bob, and a bob is kind of timeless. But it's like weird and flicky. It's the weird flicky element yeah, of the bob. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's, it's, for me, it's that and her eyebrows. Her eyebrows are so fucking far apart. I know. And so tiny. It's just, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's weird as well because every everyone else is so generically styled that. She she's like screamingly dated, whereas everyone else looks kind of passable and fine, which I think is like one of the oddest things about the film. Is like it's it's just her in the two thousands, mm. where everyone else is just kind of not really in a time. But yeah, so there's a guy, as a guy, he's killing people and he's live streaming it on the internet, um, and <laughs> all of these like capture torture kills are racking up i shit you not in in the film like tens of millions of views mm. it like i think at one point it exceeds like 15 million views which is like more than the game of thrones finale because the thing is that we kind of did mention there is that uh the more people that watch the live stream the faster the person being tortured will die yeah so it's trying to make like it's trying to make like a hypocritical kind of point of like Oh, isn't it bad to want to watch people getting tortured, but also while showing you people yeah. getting tortured? It's a little bit like it's like I guess the kind of that if you think of like Michael Haneke as Funny Games, how that's kind of the point that that film is trying to make, which arguably it kind of doesn't really succeed in because it's still showing you some people getting kind of sort of brutalized and terrorized but it does make an effort to like not really show you any on-screen violence imagine like a film trying to make that point while trying to show you all of the on-screen violence like just proper trying to have its cake and eat the entire cake 
in seconds, like some sort of torture porn Bruce Bogtrotter. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what's one of them? There's a guy who's like in front of a bunch of lights. Yeah. And the more people that watch the live stream, the hotter the lights get, or rather the brighter they get, and the heat sort of cooks him and doesn't go well for him. Yeah, there's someone who gets kept in a tank of water, and then the more people that log on to the live stream, the more acid is dripped into the tank. Um, he does it with a cat first. Yeah, it feels very I Don't Fuck With Cats, the Netflix documentary. I don't fuck with cats. I don't fuck with cats. It's just don't fuck with cats. Another thing that has the issue of like showing you horrible stuff and then making a point of like, well, why would you want to watch this while showing you this stuff? Yeah. Just... Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, interestingly, the um, Don't Fuck With Cats covers the Luca Magnotta case, who's actually did something, I guess, kind of similar um, and he didn't live stream anything, but he um, tortured animals and then killed a person and um, posted said crimes to like shock sites on the internet. But he didn't fucking live stream them. No, but and also tens of millions of people didn't tune in for them. Yeah. It is weird that this film came out before that, though. It is weird, yeah. But but it came out after the um, the Alicia Kosek. Kazakowitz um kidnapping, mm. which is I think what it's kind of taking a bit of inspiration yeah. from. Um yeah, it's just like I just feel like not that many people would be interested in watching someone die. Um and I think what they really should have done, like it just would have made so much more sense if it had just been like they just made it like two thousand yeah. people or and, something like that. And you know what I think the cops would have done because they um there's like a throwaway line where it's like, oh, this site is only available to people in America, so it's not any outside of America. People watching it outside of America, sorry. Mm. Um, I think if something like that was actually happening, I think the police would say, we are tracking the IP addresses of everyone who watches and we will fine you $10 million if you watch this site. Yes, yeah, I think like they would that. do something like that. That would obviously still publicise the site, but it would if it's getting into millions of people watching it, I think the police would actually come out and say something that even if they couldn't actually do that, mm. I think they would do some kind of big threatening gesture. Yeah. But it's weird to try and pick apart this sort of almost web point oh, it's like web one point five. Yeah. It's like there's broadband, but everything's still quite shit. Um <laughs> it's kind of the the vibe of yeah. the film. I think it's just as well, it's like the them just like massively underestimating how like what a technological feat it would be to do this and to be able to host 15 million people watching something live like um i think so what i did is i looked up how many people watched the lady gaga video for telephone when that came out and that got something like about a million views in 24 hours and that was like a huge deal at the time on a public website like youtube which didn't have anyone being murdered it was just lady gaga's telephone it's like it's just such an enormous amount of people it's like everyone in scotland deciding to watch <laughs> someone die yeah, yeah um yeah. it's like the the website's literally like watchmedie.com as well yeah. and instead of it like implying that he's been doing this for ages and he's been gradually escalating it's just like oh no the killer like literally just started doing this and yeah. we've been watching his entire like he's just like gone from zero to 60 to like killing four people in a really elaborate way in like two weeks or something and um, but yeah, yeah it starts out it starts out good it, it could have been 
it could have been fine. It could have been like a proper three stars fine horror film, but it just ends up being real dumb, real it's, silly. It, it's weird. It, although it's one of the better made things that we watched, it was one of the ones I was kind of most bored by. Like I was not bored yeah. by Saw 2. I really didn't like it. But Untraceable was more boring, even though it's a better film. Weird how that works. Um, yeah, it was a worse film because it was a better film. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the strange things with it is that while they're doing these investigations into the various like um, set pieces that are being live streamed, they don't really like manage to find out many clues. And it's not an investigation mm. that you follow where you're like, oh, they've learned this clue and this is how this thing interacts with this thing. It's just like they're watching the live streams of the cops and they just like don't really get much of anywhere. Mm. And I feel like that's the side that really lets the film down, especially as like at the end, Diane Lane gets, as you may expect, captured by the killer um, and she has to kind of fight out of the final set piece. And it's kind of like she could have done like nothing the whole film and still made it out the yeah. other side because she got captured anyway. It's just like they didn't really like learn anything. I mean, they do like learn why the killer's doing it, but they don't like but the get any reason closer is to really stupid. Him. Yeah, it's really <laughs> convoluted. Well, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this was a shame, I thought. Um, yeah, this was actually genuinely like really squandered potential. Yeah. This is another one of the ones that wishes it was seven, though. I know we keep mm. talking about seven, but it, it, I feel like it really can't be stated enough how much this film wanted to be seven i like seven i like seven as well you seem a bit cold on seven though sometimes we're talking about it and you're like well um, i feel like when you when your mind digs into seven you like it less i think i have i have mixed feelings on seven i feel like as a surface level film i like it but when i think about it too much i think it bums the kevin spacey character too much um I think it is too horny for its like individual kills. Like I said, I think it's very like like trying to package up really horrible content in like a in like a sort of acceptable mainstream way. Mm, and yeah. I would rather something just wore the fact that it was gross on its sleeve. Um and I think the fact that people sort of treat it like it was like more than that as well to maybe kind of justify how much they enjoyed it because it is it's a great exploitation film but i do think it's an exploitation film yeah yeah, um, yeah i i i do agree with all that i think it's neat yeah, I, wish, I, I think it's neat i like I, it you know what's weird i wish there were more films like seven yeah but all the films like seven just like i like this i, I like this yeah <laughs> yeah um should we talk about quickly because so um there were a couple of other films that came up as like examples of torture porn when i looked it up so it was mostly um borderlands and turistas which um turistas sounded like it was just basically they go to brazil olivia wilde's there um they sort of run around in bikinis they get captured um by organ harvesters oh um, and it's not it's apparently not very good and the Brazilian government was very upset with it and one mm. of the guys that was in it like apologized on Jay Leno like I'm sorry to the Brazilian people oh, for wow. making the I'm assuming the film was wildly racist but apparently it made like a point of like oh you come here you gringos come here and exploit us so we're going to exploit you by taking your organs and giving them to poor people like a sort of Robin Hood for kidneys um, wow. we couldn't, uh, could we not find this or should we just, just didn't bother with it? I, I didn't bother with that one and I could not find Borderland. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at finding stuff, but. Borderland wow, was, is, that, I just really gave up. um, horror on the 
Mexican border. It's like some some bad sort of cartel guys doing some stuff on the border or whatever. And I'm sure there are loads that have like Sean been, Astin's in it. Been even more lost to time. Yeah, like torture porn rain. knockoffs that like yeah, <laughs> that don't even get like kind of counted in like top ten to- torture porn films. Like you know, um, but yeah. But then we did also watch The Collector, which I thought would be just like all of these, if not worse. Mm. But... No, this this kind of rules. The Collector kind of rocks. It's like a really cool little home invasion film. I think this is what... This is what I would like... I think this is like chef's kiss of this genre. Like, if you wanted to see a film that was what you thought torture porn was meant to be, but also it's actually good... um. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like, it, it did remind me a little bit of Inside in the sort of thriller in a house using all stuff in the house, using like domestic objects to kind of um, deal with the assailant. Mm. But also the collector guy, and I don't know when he had time to do this, but I don't care because it's a good film. So I didn't think about it like I did with Saw. I, I wasn't spending the whole time doing the maths in my head of when the fuck he had time to set this up. But basically he's just like, he's broken into some people's house and he's just trapped it the fuck out. And the handyman that has been working on the house has also actually been um, casing the joint um, to steal a high value gem that they have hidden in a safe um, and he is going to steal it quicker than he planned because his girlfriend is in the hole for, I assume, drug money or just loans she or something. Loan was it I, think loans? It was, I think it was intentionally like like a little bit vague. vague yeah, yeah. Um, she she needs money. He wants to support his ex. It, 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 oh it no, it's his sense. wife. It's his wife. Oh, that, it's, yeah, it's his they're wife. Not, they're not together, are they? They are start? together. She's just hostile. Oh, the tone of it. So the the first fifteen minutes is shit. The first fifteen minutes, I was, I was, I was not thinking good things. But, but on reflection, I think it does set up what that guy's about and why he's doing this. Yeah, which you kind of need to know for him to justify not getting like ten minutes into bad stuff happening and being like, "I am so out of here." Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of softened yeah. on that first. But I think on a rewatch, I, which I'd like to rewatch this one day, I would probably enjoy the first twenty minutes more, even though tonally it's a bit weird and it doesn't get into its comfortable groove until it kicks off but once it gets into that groove it stays there and it does it really well oh yeah like for the first 20 minutes we were kind of fiddling with our phones and not really paying that much attention but from the moment that that house set piece kicked off it was like phones down eyes up yes queen let's let's get into some let's get into some traps baby and as the the lad is trying to get around all these traps we were doing the thing that i would ideally like us to have done in the source sequels, which is to be like, oh, you've got to do this, or I would try this. That mm. kind of like, you're, you're just like, you're just watching. Problem solving. You're problem solving with your buddies, and you're like, oh, no, there's no way I could do that. And oh, he did the thing that we told him to do, but it, the film <laughs> thought of that, and then it ended up going really badly, and now we're idiots. And yeah. it's just really fun. Yeah, it um, is. It's a really fun watch. I would definitely, we would recommend The Collector. It's not squandered potential. It's just kind of great. Though, please bear in mind that we spent like 72 hours just watching absolutely nothing but complete fucking dog shit. So our assessment of this could have been slightly more charitable 
based on the fact that we had watched nothing but terrible films for the previous like three yeah. days. But but I I think it's good. I I think it's good. And the special effects are really good. They are really There's good. There's some really good gore in there. There's some great gnarly special effects. Um, and there's some boobs. <laughs> yes, there, there, there are boobs, boobs in this. Yeah. Um, it uh, it doesn't make the most sense. No, but um. It, I feel like it's a bit more... It takes itself less seriously than the Saw films. I think the Saw films do. Certainly by the time you get to the lore of Saw 4, you think, wow, this is a really humorless franchise. Yeah. Whereas The Collector, when it's dealing with like uh, some of the stuff that happens with their cat and a dog... Yeah. And they said, like, the film is clearly, like, in on it being this big, ridiculous home invasion thing. Mm. And like you say, how this guy set up all these traps isn't entirely clear. Like, there's one room which is just bear traps from, like, wall to wall <laughs> on the floor. It's completely ridiculous. But the film kind of, I feel like it kind of knows it. Yeah. It, this began life as a Saw prequel as well. It's probably worth saying, which maybe is why it still has the slight hangovers of just, nah, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry yeah. about it. They also handle its its antagonist really well. The collector is just like a guy in a mask who never speaks, and you, you never see him with the mask off, and it doesn't take any time to explain why he's doing this, how long he's been doing it for, or what his fucking philosophy is. There's just like, and it's just basically you find out he collects people. He, he, he's a family annihilator. He goes in, he kills a whole family. He takes yeah. one person. Sometimes Bish, the, bash, bosh. Sometimes the basic ideas are the best. And you know what? It's scarier. It's scarier if I don't have to hear a monologue about his philosophy for like yeah. four films on the trot. Yeah, especially as the film kind of reaches its final 20 minutes, which is pretty like, like, like it's very pacey. But if in that final 20 minutes he stopped to give his monologue about why he was doing it, you would be, you would really lose interest quickly that it just sort of keeps going and keeps escalating and is a like a genuine thrill ride, and it knows it's that. Yeah, you're, you're well into it. They did make a couple of sequels. Oh, they made one sequel, and then there's another planned. And I think that the first, I, I think you said that the sequel wasn't considered as good, and it probably does end up putting in some law that it shouldn't. Yeah, but, I don't know, yeah I'd be up for checking that out. Yeah. We could even watch that tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, some of that stuff that just to just kind of wrap up because those are all the films that we sort of watch specifically for the podcast. But whenever I looked up like what what ex- what people kind of class as torture porn films, I saw the um the Rob Zombie films like Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, and stuff come up. But I think that's kind of like harsh on those films. Like I think um I think Rob Zombie's got like a great sense of humor. I think he he seems like. He seems like a genuinely really nice guy. Um, I like his vibe. I think he's a lot more of like an auteur than like, say, like even like an Eli Roth is probably the most auteur person behind that. And I just like I don't know, I wouldn't like I wouldn't um I think that's harsh on on Rob Zombie. I think Rob Zombie's much more of a kind of like fun 60s, 70s exploitation guy than um a torture porn guy. I think so too. I think that the torture porn, the torture porn phrase is really dumb, which we haven't really gotten into the actual terminology and how dumb that is. But I, I think it's very dumb. Oh yeah, it is stupid. And, and I think there's probably a point where any film released around that time that engaged with being just like even a flirtation with the hardcore would be like, oh yeah, it's torture porn, or you're yeah. depraved for watching it, or whatever. You know? Yeah, um, which I think is very much why um, like the Rob Zombie films have mm. gotten 
um, sort of swiped up in it. It's like the same thing only when people kind of add the new French extreme stuff into it. I just kind of don't think that they are. They just don't have like they're like not dour cash grabs. I think. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just gonna say, I feel, I feel like the main, almost like the main tenant of being a torture porn film is being a dour cash grab, <laughs> like just, just like no fun. Give us money. Well, give us money for our film that we've done much more salacious posters of than it actually is because we want the R rating and we want the wide release. And the most terrifying. Um aspects of that and like the research we did for this is there's like an interview with one of the producers of Saw and we saw a clip of this <laughs> and it's like after the first film has come out and he's like oh will there be a sequel I tell you what there's going to be a second film a third film a fourth film and a fifth film and you just think you just you just just oh you, there's no artistic integrity there which I feel like is no. a really like naive thing to say about kind of movie making yeah at times but at the to, to, to have like this one film and then be like oh yeah we're gonna make four sequels we don't even have the second one written because we end up taking the script for a different film that yeah. could have been much better you know it's just it's just like you say ca shameless cash grabs um I, I'd probably like to know where the term torture porn originated from. If that was a critic, it was it was one or... critic. Yeah, wow. it was David like David Edringer. I think the guy's name was um, in in like a sort review, coined the term torture porn. Um, I wish that was something I'd remembered properly off the top of my head. That might be wrong, but it was this guy called Dave basically came up with it. Um, but yeah, he was just like a, a critic being kind of snotty about stuff. Um, yeah, would you think? Do you think the wrong turn films count as torture porn, or are they more hillbilly exploitation? Bit well, both. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Wrong turn maybe avoids it because that's a remake, isn't it? The first one. No. Or, or were they were they original ones? Yeah. I thought wrong turn was like a seventies no. one. I must be no, it's just of hills have eyes. Yeah, there was also a hills have eyes remake that came out around this time. Yeah. I think that was the thing they they remade. They did like soft remakes of loads of seventies exploitation films, and by soft remakes, I mean they did remakes that were like less gross than the yeah which is weird when like say you have the french extreme stuff um and then like it, it's, it's weird how a lot of the stuff we've talked about is about like captivity and about torture it's an aesthetic almost yeah. isn't it rather than a like a thing though even though the plots to most of these films is someone is stuck somewhere and needs to get out before someone kills them <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, and they've been challenged to do so. It's a, uh, it's like I say, it's a problem-solving exercise. I want to play a game. You want to uh, play a game? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like what what films have we maybe got that we wouldn't have had without this sort of period of horror? Because I I feel like almost like the elevated mm. horror stuff we've had in the last few years has been a bit of a response to this. Of like we got to kind of 2010, we got to like the human centipede, and everybody was just kind of like, okay, no. I think a lot of horror fans were starting to get really frustrated by this point as well, because a lot of these junky films had given like the genre kind of a bad reputation and it kind of made it feel like 
there are a couple of like big horror franchises like Paranormal Activity as well that got like ran into the ground. Yeah, well, Paranormal Activity was kind of what killed torture porn. Um, according uh, to some of the stuff that I read, that like um, Paranormal Activity massively outperformed Saw Six, so that was when they decided to pack it in with Saw. Um, and then you had a bunch of those like Annabelle, even the Lee Wannell who wrote the first um, who wrote the first Saw film did Insidious. And that was like the next big thing, these kind of like spooky paranormal stuff, yes. like the the um the Warrens, like the stuff that they did with Ed and Lorraine Warren, those films, um, where they made Ed and Lorraine Warren look like anything but the massive fucking charlatans that they were. We had like Annabelle and The Conjuring and The Nun. So they did kind of they you know they found new franchises to run into the ground, but it was a lot more like restrained paranormal stuff mm. rather than just like out and out we're gonna rip your fingers off. I think the closest thing I can think of that's sort of come out in like English in the last um ten years, apart from like maybe the Green Inferno, but that's so clearly cribbing from cannibal stuff rather than torture porn stuff. It's probably Terrifier, um, which you haven't seen, but I have. Um which is it, it is actually pretty good. I quite like Terrifier. Um it was it was I, I felt terrified by it. Um but no that's that's probably the closest thing I can think of. That's like murderous clown. Okay. Um but in a I say murderous clown, they do it in like kind of a they they make him so fucking fucked up, this clown, that it is um it is kind of fun. I I'd recommend Terrifier. It's it's maybe got some slightly problematic things to say about um disfigured people, but uh what horror film doesn't? <laughs> I suppose there's found footage as well. I mentioned paranormal too, but found footage is a whole thing. Found that was footage. a whole that thing. That was a whole fucking thing. Um yeah, it just felt like the two thousands. A, just a solid whack of bad horror and it's weird that now you're getting like the, the elevated horror stuff that you mentioned like your saint Maud's and your india hereditary they're not citing like the past like 15 odd years of horror like it follows like these aren't these are going for stuff like that's probably even pre-90s yeah yeah no definitely so it's weird to have this huge vacuum in a in a genre where just kind of no not real good came of it and there was no real lasting impact. Yeah. Because, like, you mentioned there, like, what good do we have from torture porn and stuff? And I'm trying to think, like, what stuff has, like, kind of taken on a bit of the DNA from Saw? And. Has been good. I'm like, I, I Maybe, don't like, Ready know or that. Not? Like, stuff, there's been a couple of Ready or oh, Not, The Hunt. Maybe, maybe, uh. Escape Room is one. I mentioned that, I think, yeah. in the episode before, which is, uh, I think, a Saw style film about people in an escape room. I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyway, what a what a strange time for horror and um What a shit one. Glad that it's over. <laughs> um but yeah, it's just so I forgot that like fucking the found footage stuff was running concurrently with this, and then you kind of had the slight like the sort of passing the baton over to like junky paranormal stuff for a bit. Um yeah, yeah, things straddling it where you've got like you've got like the Poughkeepsie tape straddling um uh, found footage and torture porn. You've got paranormal activity um, straddling paranormal stuff and found footage. Uh, just like a really weird Ouroboros of an era that. Um, yeah, and I wonder if the reason why we've now got this kind of. I, I do hate the term elevated horror, but there's. I do feel like it's kind of. There is a clear distinction with stuff before 2017 and stuff after. Yeah, uh, and it's easiest just to term it as elevated. Well, even horror. 2016, because Get Out was 2016, mm, I think. Yeah, um, 
And it's kind of like, I wonder if there was just no obvious fad, but people were still willing to finance horror. Like if they just if they just ran out of fads. Well, it's the the fad gave these other films the a fad chance. Now is horror, but good. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is weird. Like I almost feel like as somebody who, ha- like, has been consistently variant horror since the moment they had a DVD player. Just, I always feel weirdly like I have to be like, oh no, I was like in horror before it was cool. Like... You do have to assert your your dominance. Yeah, you've got you've to be like, no, I'm not just into it now because of Midsummer. Like, I liked... I've like seen them all. I liked them all before this. No. <laughs> it's nice to get like more like sort of like indie horror kind of picking up a little bit more um a little bit more speed actually yeah. you know what i've worked out you know what it is what's the sort of trigger point for elevated horror it's 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 it follows it's not get out it's it follows i think that was what kind of started the sort of new wave that we've got at the minute mm, that was an early one yeah. yeah i think i think get out i think get out did something like really good for the genre which was like tying like a kind of a high concept thing around like a meaningful point well it's the thing is is that horror films have always been really inherently political um and i think it was just nice to basically have jordan peele be like it's political again yeah yeah lads i've i've fixed it it's political (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely like because Okay, it's very like unsubtle the points that it's making, but it you know, always needs to be subtle, like Mm-mm. especially in a genre thing. And um, I think it kind especially of especially yeah. not in horror. Um, I wonder if a part of it is just the um, the shortening gap between indie film and um, big budget film, yeah, and production values um, increasing high because like. It follows, I'm sure, was a very low budget, but it looks and sounds amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure if it was try, well, if they try to make it in 2006, it would probably look and sound I like think a it's, 2006. It's less film. like the shortening gap. I think it's just more like you can do more with less money now. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, hasn't that been a nice little chat about some bad horror films and some good horror films and some bad horror films? Maybe we should, um, maybe we should make this like a sort of. 2000s horror trend series and we can come back and talk about phone footage and we can come back and talk about um snidey paranormal films you've been dying to do a phone footage episode i have been dying to do a phone footage episode we've threatened to do it on several occasions to the point that i think we might have even thought that we'd already done an episode about phone footage yeah i'm starting to i mean because every conversation i have is like 99 percent of conversations i have are with you anyway yeah, because of the current situation, <laughs> I, I, I I've really lost track of what we've covered and what we haven't. Yeah, um, we definitely haven't covered found footage, but we watched a bunch of stuff in order to cover it for a found footage episode, and then I think we ended up not recording because of the uh, pandemic thing. The true horror. The true horror. Yeah. Not that we should uh, joke about it. Let's uh, wrap it up there. I'm at Fancy Eliza on Twitter. I'm at Golf Tutorials. Um, and you can um, I don't know, like rate the podcast, leave a review. I don't know. See you, Tara. See you later. Watch the Collector. Don't watch anything else we've talked about. Would you like to watch the Collector? Would you like to? Watch- I want to watch the Collector. I would like to. I want to watch, watch the Collector. A good film. I want to watch a film. I watch many bad films. Please recommend me a good one. This is your task. <laughs> My saw trap is just, it just makes me watch all of the saw films again. 
Okay. Um, see you later, guys. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.